0: Everyone. Welcome to the Real Inclusive Podcast, where each week I chat with industry experts and diversity, equity, and inclusion executives from the world's leading global brands, who share their knowledge, experience, and actual ways to help employers create cultures of belonging where everyone can thrive. Today, I'm joined by Tara Wilson. Tara is the Chief Diversity and Chief Operating Officer of Zoom Rails. Hi, Tara.
1: Hi. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here with you.
0: I think the best thing to do is why don't we kick off with our listeners and tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey to where you are today.
1: Great. Thank you. So so as you mentioned, uh, I'm currently the COO and Chief Diversity Officer at Zoom Rails, and I just joined that company at the beginning of the year. Uh, Being in the payment space for as long as I have, uh, it was just an opportunity I couldn't turn down. Um, You know, just to share, it is the best software I've ever worked with, so it's really exciting to be at the place I am in my career, to be working with a group of individuals that are innovative and unique and consumer-driven, so I'm just excited uh, to be a part of that Zoom Rails journey, and just to share my story, 20 years ago, it hurts me to say 20 years ago, but 20 years ago, I started in data entry uh, in the payment space. And I sat in as many seats as possible to learn as much as possible about the different areas of business. Uh, I I felt, I guess my approach was that I felt by learning about each area of the business, it would help me build a stronger knowledge of the company and how each area contributed to its success. And, And I feel like that really paid off because I got a really unique perspective of how processes can make or break an organization how much alignment matters, and how much people matter. Uh, I went from frontline employee to manager of the department I was in, the manager of the departments I worked with, and then director of operations for the whole team. And I was responsible for frontline teams, as well as the teams that worked alongside those frontline teams and administrative day-to-day tasks. Uh, taking 20,000 calls or or contacts a day, uh, not a day, sorry, a month, Um, 4,000 escalations a month. So meaning uh, non-first contact resolution and onboarding around 1,000 accounts a month and managing a large team in the Philippines as a BPO as well as locally. So it was an incredible learning experience that I was very happy to have. Um, that being said, it wasn't always easy. I experienced a lot of challenges with imposter syndrome during that time as I was growing through the ranks, being um, one of the only uh, women in leadership. Um, and I'm sure we'll we'll dig into that later. but I stayed I stayed with that company for 13 years. And when I approached management for the opportunity to grow, um, you know, from a director to VP, I'd been in the director role for about four years, I was told there was no opportunity of growth for me. So at the same time, I think it was probably the same week, I had another organization reach out to me for a VP of operations role. And I thought, if this isn't the universe telling me to get out of my comfort zone and move on, I don't, I don't know what it is. So, so I, I did that. I moved on to a new company after 13 years um, in July of 2015. And I was the VP of operation, managing the Canadian and eventually the UK side of the business, focusing on streamlining and organizations of areas that needed support and attention in operations, as well as a focus on, you know, employee. um, collaboration, satisfaction, address some attrition um, situations that were happening. Um, And what I learned in that first two years going to a new organization was, um, I was good at my job and and I did deserve to be where I was and that people valued and respected my opinion, uh, something that I wasn't feeling very good about at the end of my last role for for a good chunk of time. So um, just to say, Uh, you know, I've had, I have a lot of conversations with, with people about, you know, when is it time to move on? Trust your gut, you know, your gut, when you feel that feeling of, I don't feel good, um, listen to it. So, so really, um, after what I believe to be a period of my career, the period of my career where I developed what my brand was and I started to get confident, um, I was approached to manage a full division that wasn't related to my expertise at all, no, not even a little. So it was terrifying for me. It took me too long, probably, to say yes. Um, what if I can't do it? The learning curve is going to be too hard. I'm doing what I'm doing really well. Why should I change? You know, kind of all the negative negative chatter in my head. And then I and and I had great advocates that I was kind of pinging, and they said, you know, just take the risk, take the jump. So I I went into that division and um, that I had no prior knowledge of. And, you know, just kind of, as they say, you fake it till you make it. And that's exactly what I did. Uh, The experience was credible. I managed a full company from sales to marketing, to development, um, onboarding, support, finance, and even knowledge management. I learned a lot during those four years from a P and L standpoint, large uh, implementing large systems, helping to processes to line the whole company, our division and other areas with the company and, and a lot more. And so during those four years, I grew from a general manager to an SVP to chief operating officer and really grateful for my time in that space. And I had a really wonderful leader during those four years who was a huge advocate for my success and growth. And that made a big difference um, for me uh, in, in, again, kind of how I saw myself and starting to really um, mute that chatter that had been going on in my head for many years. So after building the business for four years and seeing many successors waiting in the rings, when Zoom approached me for the opportunity, not only as chief operating officer, but chief diversity officer, um, I knew the timing was right, not, not only because I had all these worthy employees who were ready to take the next step and that took me leaving the organization, but because selfishly I wanted to be part of what Zoom had to offer. And so now we're caught up. This is today.
0: Great. Thank you so much for that. I think um, you've touched on so many uh, good things there with regards to like in your journey. Um, I think the imposter syndrome is something that um, across across the board that it's something that quite a few people struggle with and it's something that i have myself struggled with as well um it is a difficult thing to try to overcome but i think for what you're you've said in what you've experienced is that you had a really good leader um to help and to drown out those those voices um which which is great um and i'm i can only imagine like as you explained how how much it was able to propel you forward and to feel more confident that you can do the job Um, yeah it made a
1: huge difference for me to know that someone was in my corner and um and I think that it's a challenge for a lot of people um, when they're growing because they say I don't have that leader I don't have that person and my advice is always just find any advocate it can be a friend who you, who's there? Who's gonna give you? Who's gonna listen to you? Who's gonna hear you? Who's gonna you know let you bounce ideas off of? But he was he was you know I'll, I'll shout him out as it, Lorenzo uh, and and Pellegrino and he um, yeah he just he fought for me he fought for me and that meant something and um, he cared for me professionally and personally um, and that was really that set the tone for the whole business
0: yeah yeah and i, I think it's it's, the, it's one of the key thread in terms of leaders today they need to be more human yeah. i think they need to try to to add that human element because it, it will make such an impact to your employees and to their own success because i mean the success of your employees will only show to everyone how great you can lead um completely agree so You've given us some background in terms of your career and your, your journey into kind of operations and, and, and now being the chief operating officer. I'm curious to know the diversity, equity and inclusion side of your role. And why are you doing DEI?
1: Sure. Um, during my many years of growing up in the business, I I decided to get involved with with a lot of networks, um, you know, payments and FinTech. And then um, there started to be kind of subgroups of those networks, which was women in FinTech, women in leadership, women in business, women in payments, and and I guess just general um, mentoring networks. And I started to have really valuable and honest conversations with other members um, and, and, and actually though you know, in the mentoring networks and people who I was mentoring, and I guess I just saw an opportunity to support others in a way that I always wasn't supported. So I wanted to be an advocate for others' success. And the more I started to have these types of conversations, the more I started to notice themes like, um, or questions like, um, does this sound right to you? Do you think that this is okay that this happened to me? is this something you've experienced on your journey? Um, The big one was, do you think I was overly emotional? Do you think I reacted emotionally? Am I overreacting? And so uh, what I saw was that people were asking themselves the same questions that I was asking myself years earlier. And that again, imposter syndrome was not a terror thing but an everyone thing, and this was before lean in and, you know, you read about imposter syndrome like this. I was just starting to realize, okay, well, it's not just me that feels like I'm not worthy and that women also were not seeing, and unfortunately still don't in some situations, a lot of other women in senior management or C-level positions or board positions. And I started to wonder how many more decades we're going to keep having these types of conversations so i guess it was organically i i really started to dig in and recognize that some of my experiences as a woman in business related to and i want to be very very clear not the same as but related to what other what 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 many marginalized groups could be going through and of course they go through much more i recognize my privilege But I think what I saw was that there was an opportunity to try and learn about those specific experiences and feelings that were coming from microaggressions, from lack of inclusion, the void of feeling that you don't belong. And for me to try to appreciate them, be aware of them. And then I didn't have a plan after that. I was just like, okay, I I just wanna learn. I wanna be a silent a, a, a silent party learning about this. I, I, I'm not ready to contribute. I just wanna. I just wanna hear. Just wanna listen. So I guess besides uh, wanting to dive into intersectionality, um, you know, and for those who, who maybe are listening that don't know, which is, you, know, my opinion is how multiple identities interact to create unique patterns of oppression. I wanted to, from that, I wanted to try and help people not feel the way. I felt growing up in this space, understand the way they felt and what the experiences they were going through and try to help them not have that. And then again, I was like, okay, l- let me learn a little bit more and then I'll figure out, you know, what I'm going to do with this. And so I think that's, you know, I think that's why I'm here today. Um, I, I feel like I have, I have some of those experiences and I know that I have, I, I haven't even come close to some of the experiences that others have shared with me and that I've been um, you know, learning about. So I want those around me to be proud of sharing their thoughts, to be comfortable to show up as they are and who they are every day. I want uh, those around me to share their unique perspectives openly because they are so different than the other five people's perspectives sitting in the meeting with them. And maybe that could help bring aha moments to the business and make us better. There's lots of stats that prove diversity is ne- is necessary for growth inside a business. So, I maybe mean, I guess to circle back, I don't think you know you do diversity equity and inclusion. I think you believe in it because you're committed to trying to build a better, more inclusive business world. And I think if you can make an impact at the business level, that maybe some of that could creep into a personal level and then, hey, look, you've opened people's eyes to different perspectives and you're actually helping the world, you know, become a better place and really like who could ask for a better cause than that? So that's kind of my my journey and my thought process on, on why I'm here doing what I'm doing.
0: Oh, thank you so much for sharing that, Tara. And I'm curious to find out a little bit more on, how you what when did the penny drop for you in terms of I'm taking on all this learning as you said you wanted to you started off with wanting to know more wanting to listen when did that for you change from okay I'm wanting to learn I'm wanting to listen and actually know now I want to take action
1: so, so the reason why I decided to, you know, to, to take action was after the learning, um, I thought, you know, there needs to be something, you can't just learn about this, in my opinion, and, and not do anything. Um, I felt a calling to to just get involved. And, and I didn't know what that meant at the time. I just wanted to raise my hand and say, hey, I'm here. And so business one of the businesses that I was at previously started to build a lot of networks um, for you know w- women networks and um, uh, diversity and inclusion networks and mentoring networks and so I just started to volunteer and say hey I'm here and I became kind of a chapter lead in Canada for one of the for one of the networks and um, I like to call myself a positive disruptor because i think you can disrupt in a positive way in a negative way so i guess what i decided was um that i would try to use some of my privilege to have a voice for those maybe that didn't have a voice and i and i don't want to make it sound like um i come from organizations where there was horrible culture that's it, it's it's not true um, especially, you know, uh, the last organization I was at, that that wasn't the case. But there's always opportunity for growth, and I think there was some some low hanging fruit, if you will, to give the corporate term, that could be um, that could be raised. And so I, that's kind of how I started to get involved. And then, um, you know, I'm I'm almost uh, done. I started to take like a couple little, um, you know. DEI courses through LinkedIn, through some different, um, programs and started to really engage in some, some DEI networks and listen to people talk about the importance of diversity. And then, um, currently I'm, I'm very close. I'm just at my capstone project of completing a diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging certification. And, um, it's been uh, incredible. It's it's taken me a while, you know. We we all get busy, but I'm actively working on it. And and through my journey, um, through that certification, I now see that there's just so much more opportunity to invest in business, DEI in business.
0: Yeah, it's it's great that you're continuing your learning. Um, I don't think with DEI it doesn't it doesn't stop. It's it's a continuous learning curve. Um, but I think it's great to hear that in the position that you're in, you're still open to wanting to learn more. um, And you can see the value in doing that in the organization that you're in and how how it will better it. And actually that kind of leads on to to my next question for you is why is DEI going to make Zoom Rails better and different?
1: Great question. So, I'll start by saying that we're in a situation where, as a new company, we're, we're a two year old company, you don't really have any, any trailing concerns or, or items that need to be addressed urgently. So, I guess I'll answer this in general by, by saying, you know, I'll talk about the things I believe that make any business different when investing in DEI, including, you know, uh, Zoom. So, um, simply put, you know, I believe diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging encourages higher level of engagement, productivity, and innovation that contributes to increased revenue, deeper trust with the organization, and overall career satisfaction, and decreased employee attrition. And I believe this because I've seen it and I've experienced it through my years of leadership and my many, many years as a frontline employee. So what I think helps me be a good leader is that I know what it's like to be on the frontline. I did data entry. I took the calls. I built the terminal files. I got yelled at by the customers. I can relate to those who I work with. And I worked my ways up through the ranks. And I know that during that time, that when I feel, when I felt or You know, anyone when they feel like they can be open. When I felt like I could share my true thoughts and concerns, that I felt listened to, I felt heard, I felt respected. And in my experience, that's really all that people want. They want to know their voice is valuable, um, that they're being included in voicing their opinions about decision making that affects them, and that they're truly part of the team and not just a body filling the seat. So. Again, speaking of privilege, I recognize that as an executive and decision maker, it's easier for me to have an audience that will feel like they have to respect my feedback because there's that um, authority aspect. But I would like to foster an organizational culture where everybody feels like they can be heard, regardless of what their title is, or if they're only if they're the only person in the room challenging status quo. And I think. That is what makes business different: is people feeling like, like they're people and not numbers. And I guess you know to 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 couple with that, I'm I do mentor a lot of uh, different people, um, and it's really telling for me, you know, during the Great Resignation, which is still happening, um, to see the shift in the reasons why people want to join an organization. So my My experience was that it used to be mostly about salary and career growth, and those are always going to be important components, but now there's a shift that culture and DEI efforts have become much more of a priority for those who are looking for new opportunities as well. And I guess on a, just on a little bit of a side note, for my advice, for for those who are looking for new employment, is, is to ask every single person that you speak with during the interview uh, process, the hiring process, to explain culture at the organization. Do the comments align? Are they using the same verbiage? Do they have a hard time explaining what their culture is like? I suggest you know, asking about what's most important to you as someone who's looking for a new role, like what's your commitment to DEI this year, what goals, what targets do you have? And so again, I think this is important for businesses to take note because culture matters. Inclusion matters. People, you won't even get someone in the door, let alone get them to, to, to stay at your organization if you don't start investing in that feeling where people feel good when they come in every day, that they, they feel appreciated, it, it, it matters. And it's, and it's a big shift and it's an exciting shift For
0: for businesses that are paying attention, yeah, no, totally, and I I think it's just sometimes I feel like it. It just seems common sense, is it not just common sense? I mean, would you not want people to who are working for you to enjoy coming to work, to feel like they can that they they feel like they're heard, to not have to feel alone, and that they're included in the conversation, and that they're actually contributing to the success of the business. yeah so so i just i i feel like it it seems as though the idea it just seems like how have we not done this from before like why why is it only now it's taking us only now to 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 have these conversations and to to implement these important strategies in our in our organizations um what do you think is one of the key things that organizations need to stop doing in order to to make that their company diverse, more diverse and equitable and, and, and inclusive?
1: So I saw a, um, a quote recently from, from Dana E. Crawford, who I think said it best, uh, and I'll, you know, I'm, I'm not gonna quote her, uh, but, but basically the synopsis was, if you are in a leadership role and you are asking your staff to volunteer for your diversity, equity and inclusion committee, you are creating a toxic environment pay for what you value, incentivize to motivate. Good work is not cheap work. If your organization really cares about making a difference, then they need to invest or you need to, if your organization, if you care about making a difference, then you need to invest in the difference you wanna see. Build goals, um, targets, mission statements that align with your DEI values, which you should have, And that should align with your core values and evaluate the success of those values, of those achievements through an annual review process the same way you would with any other business objective you set for the organization. Being inclusive does not mean changing your logo to a rainbow during Pride Week. It is a very large pet peeve of mine. It doesn't mean anything if there's nothing behind it actions speak much louder than words and symbols. If you care about your environment, then you'll do something about it. And I guess the other item I'll shout out is, stop saying you have a great culture if you allow leaders and high-performing staff to bend the rules. So um, there's another great quote, and I, I don't know who said it, but it's that your business culture is defined by the worst behavior you allow. And that is something that sticks with me. Mm. And if you don't have policies in place that clearly define what acceptable workplace behavior is, you should not walk, but run to make that happen. And every single person in the organization needs to be held accountable for the standard you set. Yeah. So those are some of the things that that I would advise pay for what you care about, invest and, um, you know, don't just stick a flag on your logo for the month of pride week. Um, it's to me, it's insulting. Um, if, if you're, if you're going to be an ally, then, then find out what that means, what's important inside your organization, um, survey your people, see what they need, see what they feel is missing, talk to them about actions and then, and then set those actions in place. And yeah, again, you know, um, I've seen it time and time again. I've heard it time and time again. You have a leader or someone who's been with the organization for a long period of time and they go, oh, well, that's just how they are. They don't mean any harm from it. Then that's how your culture is defined.
0: Yeah, no, totally. I mean, I think sometimes from, from an individual perspective, I know myself where I was experiencing uh, microaggression or, or I saw someone doing something that that they, or a C-suite doing something that wasn't really in line with with the policy that we have in place and you can see them get off with it like and and literally not even get scathed with any sort of disciplinary disciplinary action nothing like that um but yet you have an employee that is at a lower level um who may well have done something very much similar not not too different um and I know you no longer see them again they they've they've had disciplinary action and they've left. Um, so I think it's it's so important to to set the rules so that they're fair for everyone and that they fairly apply to all, no matter where you are in the organization. and I think that only then will show to everyone else mm-hmm. that actually you know what we're all we're all here, we all belong, and we're, it's fair yeah, being treated yeah. fairly, yeah
1: it's part of you know it's part of the a little bit of part of the equity equity piece of it, right? Where um, you know, everyone should be treated fairly based on um, you know who who they are in the organization shouldn't change the policy and the behavior. Uh, you, it just, it's like, do as I say, not as I do. Right. And that, that that means nothing. It means nothing. And it, it destroys your reputation as a brand and people, your employees don't take you seriously anymore. They, They, they go, you know, Oh, look at me. I have to come in every day at nine to five, but, um, you know, um, uh, Sam over here, he's able to come in, you know at a different time because I heard he's dating you know this person in the organization, or you know he, 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 we can we could come up with a thousand examples. Um, the, it's the reason I bring up that is because I think that's one of the differences is that there are policies in place for the way that you're expected to show up being on time, getting your work done, hitting those objectives, but the cultural policy sometimes is not strong enough. And and it allows for shades of gray, which um, is not okay. And it causes conflict inside the organization for sure. And again, it's just the employees don't take you seriously. They don't take leadership seriously if they see that someone is allowed to do something different than everyone else. And your your example is perfect that um, someone else gets, um, you know, they have some kind of disciplinary action for something that someone else is doing that they don't, you know, and everybody knows. It's so funny when they're like, well, this is private. No, it's not. Everybody talks about it we're open, you know, you know, you can live stream anything and everyone's going to find about out about it in two minutes to think that, um, you know, I'm not promoting that there shouldn't be things confidential, but to think that people don't recognize that and that they see it and that it's obvious is, um, is, is, is not right. It's everyone knows what's going on. They see it, they hear it, they feel it. Um, and they fear it. They fear it as well.
0: Mm Um, so, moving on to, to to my next question for you, Tara. Um, how do you find the balance with your work and your personal life? Because we've talked about DEI and, and uh, the human element. Um, how do you find the balance?
1: The work life balance question. Hmm. I'm not I'm not great at it. I get better um, as the years go by. But I will tell you, um, at the beginning for me with COVID, it was very challenging. I thought it was bad before. Um, it got really bad for me for about six months because my office was my kitchen. So I'd be like, oh, I'm just gonna sit down and do a little bit of work and then, you know, I'd go watch TV, which is right beside and then come back and oh, I'm grabbing a snack and oh, there's my computer. So, so I, I didn't do, you know, I think I'm a, I'm a work in progress always. But um, you know, for for the DEI journey uh, at Zoom, uh, I'm just starting out, so I think I'll I'll definitely need to come back in like six months or a year to talk about how you know if I've uh, stuck to my commitment to avoid burnout.
0: Yeah, totally. Uh, it's yeah. recorded. This is gonna this is gonna be recorded. So yeah, yeah. we'll do like a we'll, side. We, by yeah, side. we could do a yeah. side by side for sure.
1: <laughs> uh, our goal right now is 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 to define. And, and build policies, just like what we talked about, related to what we'd like our organizational culture to look like. And we know as we grow, there's an absolute need to put those DEI pillars in place um, that we can all uphold. And I find this especially important as a company that functions 100% remotely. So, you know, in my past lives, I would say that culture was built around the water cooler or, you know, grabbing a coffee and it's not that way anymore. And I think there needs to be a more concentrated and dedicated effort invested in what culture means when it's not um, free muffins on Fridays, you know, or um, everyone gets candy on Halloween. Like there needs to be more, you know, there needs to be more effort put into it. So I guess what I'll say for for that work-life balance, I'm, I'm really grateful to be part of an organization that's this young and wants diversity inclusion to be part of its story. So it's really unique. And again, a big reason why I joined zoom and what's exciting to me about zoom. Um, so, okay. So back to the question, the way I plan, here's my commitment. The way I plan to avoid burnout for my chief diversity officer responsibilities is to is to build a foundation, one that we can scale and grow from. And the way I'm approaching this is with the support of our people and culture, HR leader and CEO by just to start. Who are we and what's important to us? So um, Rome was not built in a day. We're going to um, attack this in bite-sized chunks and, you know, focus on taking steps to get there and working um, not only with the leaders, but the rest of the organization when we talk about, you know, what steps we're going to take and make sure it aligns. And the things that I talked about, you know, surveying the staff, Saying, hey, we have we've we've found these, we've identified these three areas that we think we can focus on. Where would you like us to focus first? And what would you like us to focus on? Because I think that's a big piece that a lot of leaders or organizations miss is they they stress themselves out on what to work on, and they have this wonderful pool of feedback. It's about the organization. Why are you not talking to the organization? Ask the people who make up the organization what's important to them and what they want to see. So I think that's, that's you know, again, that really has to do with, you know, inclusion and diversity. You have six, you know, people, I was about to say, six white men sitting in a boardroom. <laughs> uh, hopefully that's changing, but, but really that's what it used to be, right? You have six people sitting in a boardroom who haven't touched the front line in many years, Making decisions about what they have decided is important for their organization, and I think that's you know that kind of goes down to a, you know it, it it trickles down to a leadership rule I have, which is the difference between the golden rule and the platinum rule. So do unto others as you want to be done unto is the golden rule, and that needs to change. We need to to live our lives from the platinum rule, which is do unto others as they want to be done unto. It's not about us. We're where we are and most people who are sitting in an executive level are happy. They're at a C-level, they put their time in, they're in a good place. It's not about us. It's about the people who make up our organization, asking them what they wanna see and then making it happen and, and leaving our egos and who we, what we think out of it and just, and just being advocates. There's that word again, advocates for the people who are inside the organization.
0: Yeah, I think advocate is a is a great word. It's 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 and it's it's a word that is used. Um I don't feel like it's used enough, enough actually. Um so no. well, we can hang out, I'll use
1: it all the time. Advocate, yeah. advocate, advocate. Yeah. <laughs> I, think I think it's the right word, you know. I think it's I think it's the right word to represent who we can be as a leader, who we can mm. be as a colleague, who we can be as a friend, you know, to give back um to you know to mentoring others. Um, you know, yeah, just just advocate for people, just care about them, just want them to do well, you know, let them be happy. It doesn't, you know, it just makes us all better. I'd rather work with a hundred happy people than a hundred people who feel like they're just numbers, you know?
0: I've so enjoyed our conversation, Tara. I mean, just before we part our ways, um, is it something that a question that I ask all the leaders that I speak to um before we leave? What advice would you give to the DEI leaders of tomorrow?
1: Um, it that's a wonderful question and it's truly advice that I'm taking myself, which is start with the pillars, the foundation, um, somewhere you can scale from, uh, and just start. So, uh, maybe what I can do is I'll share, I'll share what my roadmap looks like. And maybe that will help inspire, um, some of the leaders of tomorrow, or, or even if you're not a leader now for, you want to be a leader yes. uh, for tomorrow. So I think the first thing that you start with is you need to determine your mission statement. Why do you make your product? Who do you serve? How do you add value? Um, These are important questions to ask to help determine why you exist and how you wanna be represented. And there's many of those questions that you can ask and answer those questions and then do the five whys. So why do you make your product? Um, Because, you know, to help the consumer, why? And then that why you know dig down to the to the to the depths of the of the real um, reason of of your existence. And then next, I think you and I do think you need to go in this order: is you determine what your vision statement will be. What's going to be your big, bold, fantabulous, outrageous goals that you want to hit in the next five to ten years? Um, it needs to be something that you actually have a chance to achieve something that you can share with the whole company that gets them excited. And it should be vivid and engaging and tangible and um, easily digestible. So people should get it as soon as they hear it. Um, If you have to explain it, you got to rework it. And then next, I think the, the focus becomes, what are your core values? How should your employees act to achieve the organization's vision? What are the, you know, three to five guiding principles by which the business navigates by, and they should be so um, fundamental that they do not change. So, so just meaning, don't confuse, um, don't confuse them with the business strat. Don't confuse business strategies with core values. And it's really like what the business stands for. And, and will uphold at any cost. And all of those need to align and they all should be the foundation of how your organizational culture will be built. And it should align with your DEI values. It should be very easy inside of your mission and your vision and your core values to have that um, assessment of whether you're upholding, you know, the principles that are important for inclusion and belonging, and um, you know, f- for the organization. And then I think, you know, one of the fun things that I would say, kind of, is the last piece is build your rituals. Um, how do you engage, and how are you going to reward? Is it going to be every time you hit a milestone, you, you know, everybody gets swag? Is it is it service awards? Is it um, one time a month? uh, Everyone's, you know, gets to Uber their lunch, uh, and they get to expense lunch, and everyone eats, you know, together while they're playing trivia. Uh, Rituals matter, uh, and and I think it makes a big difference in bringing the business together. Talk about inclusion. Everyone gets included in those rituals, and just like you know, just like in our personal life, I think we can all think of holidays or events um, that you know, at, um, at Easter or, or during Hanukkah or, you know, whatever, whatever your religious or family ritual is that you do something, you know, um, you know, my mother was Jewish and my father was, was Christian. So we did Christmas and we would, you know, get to do some Hanukkah stuff. And then we also got to do some Christmas stuff and that was our ritual. And it meant something to me. And it's something that I've continued on with, um, you know, many years later. So um, I think it's one of the biggest parts of bringing people together and really helps with that sense of belonging.
0: Well, Tara, thank you so much again for joining thank me you. today. I've really enjoyed our conversation and I appreciate all of the information and, and, and insight that you've given our listeners today. Um, how can our listeners connect with you?
1: Oh, thank you for asking. Um, please uh, find me on LinkedIn. That's probably the, um, the easiest way. I'm, I'm very active on there. Uh, and it's it's Tara Wilson, I, I can send you over a link, and um, if, if if you want to post it somewhere, but it's at T-A-R-A-W-I-L-S-O-N, and Zoom Rails is spelled Z-U-M space R-A-I-L-S.
0: That's great, Zara. I will have all of your connecting um, links here on when we post up the podcast, so everyone will be able to easily locate you and connect with you, no problem. Wonderful.
1: So I will I'll be knocking on your door in about a year and we'll we'll reconnect to see yes. how the journey's going.
0: Yeah. Yes, yes. And I wish you all the best in, in, in with Zoom Rails and, and your role and your career. And um yeah, I literally I really do look forward to speaking to you soon.
1: Thank you so much. Have a great day.
0: You too. Thank you. Bye. Thank you.